0: As we look into the word this morning, we're going to see we're going to be looking at passages that are somewhat like a Christmas card coming to us from our Lord God from heaven. When God wrote the word of God, you could probably say in many ways that every verse is like a Christmas card. But there's also another truth here and that is that as God lingers in his word at certain particular places, we get the message from Jesus. That I love you, I haven't forgot you, I'm coming again, I am your Savior, Redeemer, and I'm sending you the greatest gift you'll ever, ever have or experience in the Word of God through through my son, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of variation that people have regarding how many exact prophecies really are there in the Bible. There are some that will say there are 456 prophecies that explicitly, directly speak of Jesus coming into the world. Then some say when you bring it down into the, the, those that speak of the Messiah himself coming as a babe, some have said well, you'll see as many as 44 prophecies. And we really don't know, because sometimes when I look at the Word of God, I look at the stars in heaven and wonder if eternity itself will not reveal that this whole Bible is full of Jesus' coming in places we never sought, through the Psalms, through, through books that we might even think are harder to read, like maybe Deuteronomy, uh, books of the Bible that we don't quite see. And I believe eternity will reveal that God was shouting all through the Bible, see my son, there he is, he gave his life, he gave his life for you, see my son, he is coming in amazing ways, but every verse that we linger on today is like, it's like a message of hope, it's like a card we receive, it says something and at times it will say one thing and at other times it will say something else. I want to give you an example of that before we go into this study this morning as we start with our first verse, because this happened right after God had created the world in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And this, the Lord looked back and he saw everything that he had done and he saw that was very good. And then God, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And God here is saying, I have a provision for my for, for, for my creation and I'm going to give this guy, Adam, a wife. And you remember the story, he took a rib from the side of Adam and there it was that he fashioned Eve and brought her in as this beautiful companion. And God here is saying, I want my children to have companionship. And for a moment as you look at this, you would begin to say, that is the, the total sum of that verse, that God simply gave man a wife. He provided for man by a companion. And yet there's another part of that. There's this linking, lurking part that I had many years ago saying, but how about the person God chooses to remain single? Or how about the person whose husband or wife dies? What do we do? Is that the sum total of what he is saying? And as we would go on, at that time, the creation of God was just so perfect and beautiful. It seemed to shout out of the glory of God in every verse, every page, until something happened. You remember the something. There was a fall in the garden when Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit. What happened was sin entered into the garden. In this person, Adam and Eve... And as they listened to the serpent, all kinds of things that were so beautiful got so messed up because that happens continually. Sin separates. Adam and Eve would have known the most beautiful fellowship the world would have ever known, but now there's no more fellowship. There was judgment coming. There was separation coming. God spoke something was going to happen and something real happened important was gonna happen but as we look at this in this verse we see something that God may have been seeing that we did not first see as we look at the verse and this is so important as we see biblical prophecy God was seen we needed a companion whose name was Jesus even though many of us have been blessed with tremendous marriages Many of us have found consolation in that marriage. God was looking beyond this just here. And immediately in the fall of the garden, you see the atrocity of sin and the depth through which sin hurts and separates and devours and conquers in so many ways. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, another verse, God is now speaking to the one who, who came to Eve in the garden the serpent, And Adam believed, just like Eve, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he, my seed, will bruise you on the head, serpent. And you shall bruise him on the heel, serpent. Serpent, you heard Eve. Serpent, Eve fell. Adam fell. An entire creation is going to live in a fallen state because of partaking of the forbidden fruit. But serpent, I'm testifying of a truth right here that the day comes, my seed wins. We conquer through my seed, not because of our connection even to our companion, but rather through the seed that I brought in the world because I did not want man to be alone." And I believe in every one of our lives as we grow in Jesus, the fulfillment of that that verse becomes more and more real. I spoke to a sister out here whose husband has been gone many, many years. And she spoke about that tremendous precious fellowship she's found from the time that God called her husband home. And many of you have found that in different ways. And as we look here in Genesis at this beautiful story, God is saying, The day is going to come, my seed is going to come. My seed will be perfect. My seed will conquer. My seed will overcome everything that has been, that came as a result of sin when we look to that seed as the one to whom life comes. Genesis 12, 2 and 3, something else we say, Hold it. How is this going to come about? This this seed conquering, this bruising of the head. And God speaking to Abram here said, and Abram, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. That's America today, folks. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And here God was speaking to Abram and he was saying, Abram, I'm going to pour out my blessing unto you. The first thought Abram would have had probably is, wow, why would God ever choose to bless my family like this? But get it further. Look at the bigger picture within the whole. He says, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. (laughs) Abram, through your seed that little unseen part of you, I will pour out a blessing that will compass all the family of the earth. And I'm sure Abram would never understand that in any way. But he says, I'm going to preserve my lineage throughout many generations. I will keep that lineage. I will keep my word. I will keep my promises. I will fulfill them. And here it is. We see a seed. We see a nation. We begin to see something else. We see a kingdom of heaven, and we see the promises of God that God says, I will keep it. You see, it isn't about our ability. It's about God's promises. It's about what God says he will do. It's about what God says how he will overcome in the most amazing and magnificent ways. Genesis 22, 17, and 18, here comes more of the promise to Abram. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply now, Abram, not just my seed, but your seed, as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. This is your children, your children's children. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Get this again. Look how big it is. It's transcending beyond the Jewish race. It's transcending beyond a nationality or a country. He's saying, I'm gonna bless all of your seed and your seed shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed, Abram, because you have obeyed my voice. Yes, Abram has a great big family, even today. It's a huge family that Abram has but the family that God was speaking of as he was speaking to Abram went even beyond his family. You probably wouldn't have got it at that time if you'd read that. And it takes a while as Christians to even get that message. That the message, the blessing of God goes way beyond us. It goes into places we do not see or understand. This is how God works. Galatians 3.27 through 29, we see the blessing of God. As Paul is writing to a church that had been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And here he says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. And here God is saying something else. When you see the seed and you belong to Christ, you you come back through the lineage of Abraham. However, it's amazing how through the ages that little slender thread of God's grace was preserved. It wasn't because of their ability. It wasn't because of of their great their great connections, it was because of God preserving them in impossible situations that didn't seem right even, and their God was touching them and preserving them. If you stop and reflect in every life here that's brought you to the Christ child, you've came to Jesus, you found him, you didn't expect it, you realize it wasn't because of you, it was because of him. It wasn't because of your seed, it was because of his seed. Oh, yes, as we have his seed in us, the seed that God gives us to pass on can be a legacy to the glory of God. But still, what makes the difference is the seed of Abraham through the Father coming down to us and changing and touching everything. But as I look back in Matthew 1 and 17, here, our Lord Jesus, as Matthew is recording this, as he's looked at all the lineage, lineages that came down from the time of Abraham. Look at this with me. So, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. So, for you who are doing math, figure this up before we get there. From David to the deportation to Babylon, the captivity of Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations generations. And what you've got there is you've got 42 generations from the time God spoke to Abraham that God is passing that seed on through imperfect people. It wasn't just kings. It wasn't just priests. It was those in in prisons. It was those even who we're living in tremendously despicable places. And God says, I'll put my seed in them. Why would that ever be? The, the, the holy God would do that. Unless he was showing us that his arms are so wide. And his reach is so far. That is, it isn't about your, your pedigree. It is not about who you are. But rather, it is because of who I am. And God was doing amazing things here, but but during that time, what a mess we made in this world and creation! The law was broken. Hypocrisy reigned, even with those who called themselves the religious elite of the day. Uh, Untruth spread everywhere. People, pride was everywhere, and God was still standing on his promise. And could I give that today as a message of hope to one family here in which things are such a mess? And it has been such a mess, but God stood true to his word. I will keep my seed. I will preserve it. I will protect it. And the day came. And maybe I would, I would just draw a tip a simple lesson here. That in Washington State, one time in a, in a Granny Smith block of fruit, we had a, a Granny Smith block. And if you looked at that block of fruit, it looked really, really pretty. The fruit, the trees were nice rows. The, the, the floor was groomed really nice. There was nice weed control up against the trunk until harvest, and there was really no fruit. And what we did, like you would do as an orchardist, is you'd get all the mines you could on that block of fruit. Let's see what we can do. And the mines got together and they said, you've got 2,000 trees per acre. It is so intense that the fruit is choking itself out. If you cut every other one out and then treat those stumps, you'll now have 1,000 trees per acre and that piece of fruit, will pro- that block of fruit will probably just flourish. And that's what we did. But something happened. We treated every trunk with a herbicide to control the root. And the root was bound to the other root, which was bound to the other root. And the herbicide, which was systemic, meaning it was translocated through that tree, went and spread, and the entire block of fruit was killed. Now, there's only one choice. You tear up the block of fruit, and you start all over. You put in new fruit. You fumigate. You rip up all of the, all, you rip up all of the, you tear up your entire irrigation system. You rip up all of your roots. You fumigate and you take a step and you believe that when you plant that new little sprig, someday there may be a harvest. Now, what happened to that block of fruit? It's costly, it's time consuming. It, it, it hold, takes you to a level of patience that a lot of us don't have time for. But today, that block of fruit is a golden, delicious apple orchard that's absolutely beautiful. I say that because we also have tried so many different kinds of ways and methods to make it work apart from the seed. We've tried. We've even tried religion. We've tried different kinds of philosophies, I can remember one time a pastor came to me and he said, I have been to so many seminars, I don't even want to go anymore. I just want Jesus. And the Lord Jesus was saying, I'm the perfect seed. If you will come to me, and if my seed will come to you, there will be blessing after blessing after blessing that will simply multiply again and again and again. And I put my seed In Abram, it goes down through David, it goes down to the kings, it goes out to some really, really messed up people, but it's my seed, and I ask you to walk with me by faith. Genesis 49 and 10, a beautiful verse comes out to us when it was recorded, the sepulcher shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience and all the people. And here we see a promise that God is giving. Shiloh is the sent one. He is this seed we're speaking of. He is the seed. He is also the peaceful and prosperous one. And what he's saying is in Judah... No matter what Judah goes through, that seed is still going to remain there until Shiloh come. And Shiloh, we know from this side, has come. But Shiloh is, is the lineage that, in Judah, that was the lineage which God caused his seed to flow down and through. And God was saying through a card, we could call this a card, I will remember you, and I'm gonna send my son. I believe there's a place in every Christian's life, no matter how far we mature, in our walk with Jesus, we need to hear that again. We may have conquered many many, uh, many, many battles. We may have overco- saw the enemy overcome. We've got to hear that again. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to send my son. And this is what God said here. I will res- send my son. But it is so easy to forget the promises of God. You know, really, frankly, it is so easy to walk into a time like this and just lose the great message of Jesus. We're just getting through another meal, another party, another time. And God says, stop, get the message. You know, it reminds me of the little, the little boy that was learning the Lord's Prayer around, around Christmas time, and his parents were trying to teach him the Lord's Prayer. And he kept working on it, but he wasn't quite there. But right around Christmas, the little guy was going to pray it again. And he prayed, and oh Lord, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. It's so easy. It is so easy. I don't say that uh, as a pastor thinking, no, it, it is just so easy to miss the great message of Christmas. It's really easy, too, for all these neighbors. Recently, I've been driving up and down these streets and walking these streets around here, and I wonder how many of these neighbors know about this message. And it's so easy to not share the message. It is so easy. It happens, uh, you just kind of fall. uh, I used to, my my dad used to use the expression, it's as easy as falling off a log backward. And today in our society, that's how easy it is to miss the message of Christ. In the middle of all this activity that surrounds us in so many ways. One time as a young man, I was coming back from the Bay Area of California and had worked there a couple of days right around Christmas. And all of a sudden it was like, God, is there any place yet that people are declaring your name? And for any of you familiar with the area, I was on the 580 right out of Pleasanton, California. Just on the west side of Pleasanton, and there's mountains that were going up in the north side. And I saw for the first time the message, the first time ever Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason. And as a young man in my upper 20s, it brought so much hope. It just like, wow, yeah, Lord, you're here. You're the reason. And someone is bold enough in the middle of this metropolis to declare that you're the reason for the season. And thank you, Jesus, because you make the difference. You know, as we look into this, there's so many questions. If you would have thought of a seeking person in the time of Israel, they would have read these prophecies. They would have said, what do they mean? When is he coming? How will it be that the Messiah will actually come? And remember, they thought he would come as a king. And many, many prophecies speak of the time he comes as a king. But here we see something else that begins to happen as we look further into the message. And the Lord begins to answer some questions. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. God says, now I'm going to give you my sign. This is my sign. This is my seal. Go to the bank with it. Stand on it. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Can you see within that what God was saying? the impossible is going to become possible because a virgin will actually conceive. That's not humanly possible. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it surpasses all logic and all reason. A virgin will will conceive a a son and call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah nine and seven, God says, you'll see more. And Isaiah is so beautifully prophetic of this wonderful one, Messiah. And his seed, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David or over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And the Lord speaking through the prophets, saying, This, this message and this work is unlimited. It will go beyond all borders. It will accomplish that. We don't think it's possible. There will be no end of this message. And his coming will will affect all of eternity. And we begin to see something else about the seed as you look at verses like this. The seed, and it is so easy today in our society to say, yes, that's your lifestyle. My lifestyle is this, I don't believe in Jesus. No, Christianity, believing in the seed of Jesus is more than a lifestyle. It is a life-changing decision. It is a life-affecting decision, and it lasts for eternity. And you see it right here when he says, and the increase of his government, there will be no end. Isaiah 11, we see this mess again in a couple of verses. It just keeps going through this chapter but we won't take the time. We've looked at seven. We've looked at nine. Each of these, if you want to take time and read, to read as a family or personally over Christmas, just take that portion of Isaiah and read that portion, and you'll be so blessed. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Hang on that a minute, because that is so important. You see, a shoot in this definition is the twig. It's the little teeny, almost unseen branch. Isaiah prophesies of that shoot when he says, he will grow up like a root out of dry ground. And he'll have no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there will be no beauty that we desire him. But here he says, a shoot or a sprout. That's another word that comes out of this. Or a sucker in light of, of trees and the growth. A sprout, just a tender little blade coming out a little teeny blade insignificant you start that way but he says a branch will grow from his from his roots it will bear and the spirit of god will rest on him this is authentic the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord there's something else that is a marvel in the in the realm of orcharding you know, i 'm just picking up orchard this morning for a couple quick lessons. One is if you want to change an entire block of fruit and you have a good root, you know what you do You just cut that 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 you cut that tree to the ground, you leave a foot or two foot high stump you drop one little sprig of the variety and the type of that you want in that, if it's an apple, you must drop an apple. You drop that into that trunk. You seal it with a certain knife. You seal it around. You step back and water that tree, and you prune that tree, and you nurture that tree, and you've got a whole different tree in three years, a whole different variety. You flip the variety, and it all started because of one little sprig. But you'll notice something else. If you follow this through Isaiah uh, further, it speaks a branch will grow from its root. It starts with a sprig. It grows to a branch. It starts so small. Smaller than my littlest finger. And it grows to a branch that becomes so large that reaches so far. And the word here, as he's speaking of this seed coming, he said, this is what it is. It's so, so inf- insignificant. It's so overlooked, but it grows to that which is so great and so powerful and it reaches so far its it's goings forth are in the most amazing places and ways and when you think about this God put his seed in us. God preserved his seed but we're going to see this in a little bit. God places his seed within us. It's what makes the difference. That one work, it may not be hardly seen for a moment. You might overlook it, but finally you see it. God did it. Your heart has changed. You've you've experienced that. You've seen it. Your life is different. You think different. You do different. Because God is the perfect orchardist. He looks and he says, I will put my seed where I choose. Matthew 2 and 23. We're now flipping into our New Testament And Jesus came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. One of the things that's important to see on the seed is Nazareth was not a place in the high rating area of cities you'd want to visit. If you go to Nazareth today, there's a lot of tour buses going through the city, and it's going back to the place that people think Jesus was born. But there's a greater message and that is the message that Jesus went to the lowest even as a child. He had to flee Herod and later we'll see, I want to grab a couple verses but I want to get John 146 here when he says can any good thing come out of Nazareth? When people people heard that Jesus had came out of Nazareth and his, his Dad, Joseph, was a carpenter? They said it can't be. It doesn't work that way. But the beauty of the seed of God and the work of God as he sends his son is God reaches out in the most unlikely overlooked forgotten areas and out of it comes a seed. And Nazareth was one of those places. Hosea chapter 11 and one, we have another verse. When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. It was here that when Mary conceived and they heard that Herod was going to try to kill all the firstborn, they went into Egypt, out of Egypt, I called my son. And God is saying something so precious. My son comes from remote, forgotten, overlooked places. Egypt was the place that Israel went into captivity and lived 40 years. Then they left Egypt... They were going to the promised land. They spent 40 years in the wilderness before God called them into the promised land. But here he is saying, don't forget, it was out of Egypt I called my son. The son went back to the very place that the people themselves found themselves in captivity. You know, one of the beautiful works of the son of God is that the word of God says that he is able to save us to the uttermost and he is a merciful and faithful high priest in hebrews and he was tempted in every way like us without sin you know what he can say when we pray i've been to egypt john i hear your prayer i've been to egypt not physically Many of us have never been to Egypt, but I have been there, Jesus said, because he came to redeem us, and he went to the places that nobody else wanted to go. Matthew 2, 13 and 15, now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, here is Egypt. Egypt. God has spoken earlier just in in the prophecy of Hosea out of Egypt I've called my son and remain there till I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him so Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was all still night and left for Egypt and he remained there until the death of Herod and this was, was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet and I put Hosea out of Egypt, I called my son. Oh, So often, what happened with the, with the nation of Israel? What happened with so many people that missed Jesus when he came? They were looking for a king. They were looking for someone to over, help them win their battle, to win their war, to help them conquer the Romans. And Jesus came as a son of God, and he came through places like Egypt and like Nazareth, And he came out of nothing, born of a virgin. And people said, it can't be. This cannot be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. But this is what the word of God teaches us as we look in the word of God. Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Another, when we say, but how will we see him? How will we, we be able to know that that is him? Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He'll restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. That little prophet Elijah is prophetic of John the Baptist that we read just a few chapters, books on down in John chapter 29 and 30. The next day he saw Jesus, John saw Jesus coming to him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world this is he on whom on behalf of whom i'm spoke i have spoken after me comes a man who has a higher rank than i for he existed before me and john did not say it there but his name was jesus and john was pointing to his own own cousin and saying this is the one And the message of Jesus keeps living and keeps shouting through the Bible. I believe all we have done this morning is touch just a few passages. We have spoken very briefly on these passages. But one of the great ways in studying the Bible is go back and study and see how many places you see Jesus. Where does God reveal his son to you? It is a beautiful way that God will reveal his son through the word in so many places. And we will see Jesus and he will live and he will be exalted. And the message of Jesus keeps living. The seed keeps living. It goes from one heart to another, from, one, uh, from a father and mother teaching the way of God to the children, to the family. It goes from one neighbor to another. It goes from one friend to another. It goes from one body of Christ to another because the seed endures as we look to Jesus as the perfect lamb of God. A couple days ago, a brother sent me a little phrase. He may be here this morning. Jesus He came not to a throne but to a manger. He lived not as a king but as a servant. He chose not a kingdom but a cross. He gave not just a little but he gave everything. This is Jesus. This is who he is. And sometimes we say, but how still will we know him? I believe God's children, where that seed is, you've got your hearts on Jesus. You're looking for that time. The Word of God speaks in Titus of this, that blessed hope, that glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That seed keeps us looking for him. Psalm 2 and 7 gives us one verse I would leave with us though today in how we will know him. And here the psalmist says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. And here this 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 passage of scripture is saying, I declare Jesus my son. I God declare Jesus my son. And because of that, you will see him because you will see the declaration from me through the word of God, even through circumstances, through catastrophes, through many ways that I declare Jesus my son. Something else is that Jesus isn't afraid to call us brothers and sisters. That's an amazing thing. You know, there's a few phrases that linger in all of our hearts around Christmas time. Maybe God spoke to you at a place, and maybe it wasn't through a verse. Maybe you just saw something that just stood with you. One that spoke to me years ago was, wise men still seek him. Still today, wise men seek him. December 25th is just a day, but the person we celebrate Jesus lasts for eternity. Take time to thank him for the gift that we received thousands of years ago, as God prophesied, I will preserve my seed. It's a great message, the message of Jesus, because when we see the message of Jesus throughout the Bible, something happens. If you're reading, and it may be ever so dry, say in the Old Testament, when Jesus is seen there, the whole part of that part of the word just comes to life. You can see the concepts, you can see the goals, you can see good prophets and kings and priests, but when you see Jesus, the word comes to life. It just lives, it just shouts the praises of God in so many ways. But the message when you see Jesus is multifaceted, it comes in so many ways, but we do see something when God, we we see it when all of a sudden we can see God saying, I love you. I remember you, I don't forget you, I will bless you, I will provide for you, I will protect you as my child, we're seeing Jesus. And as I did then, I'm going to do it today. But when we see Jesus like this, he always asks a question. Because Jesus doesn't want us to ever just receive the gift without sharing the gift. It's easy in this culture sometimes to just get our arms really wide and we kind of just envelop a lot. But He asks us a gentle question when we see Jesus Will you receive my gift and will you share it with others? The one who has come, will come has come and brought the greatest gift we've ever been offered. The, the greatest one will we receive it by faith coming under his authority, yielding our life to him, and in repentance of sin, confessing him as the Lord and Savior of our life. You know, today, in light of the message we've looked at, it's really come into place of saying, Lord, I, I believe that you are the seed that came down through many generations and for some way by your grace you came down to me today and you've opened my heart to the place I say Lord I want you as my savior. I want to overcome through you. And one of the beauties of this message is that very seed that lived a long time ago is just as active today. It is just as alive today in us as it was then. This is what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is. He dwells in eternity past, eternity present, eternity for future. And he says, that seed in you is active and alive. And if you have that seed, if Jesus is within you, if you have that seed, you are a child of the King. But you've got something to share. You've got something to say. You've got someone to love. Because you understand what he said to you. You understand how he loves you. And you understand how he shares with you. You know, Christmas is really a very special time. I'm, I'm sure for many, there's some that are not there. Every year, someone has shared with me at churches, it's tough for me. This happened this year, and this happens. But, but could I give us one place in our life that we could be really encouraged at Christmas. Just receive the gift. And you're the richest, most fulfilled person on the face of the earth. It may not feel like it. Things may not be working quite like we might have thought they would work out in some way. I'm not sure if there's anyone that would testify different than that in this church. But when you receive the gift, you are a blessed person. God's love, his grace... His abundant joy and peace overflows and floods you. And may God bless each one of us. But also I pray for that person here that hasn't received the gift. You might have even been able to preach, you might even be able to quote all the scriptures I've used today and even a lot more because there's a lot more. But if you're that person, today is still that day to receive the gift. It's free. Isaiah says, as he spikes that gift, everyone that thirsts, just come to the water. And if you don't have even any money, you just come and buy and eat. It's free. And there's something so beautiful about God. He says, In him who cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will never turn them away. The gift is available. And the seed has flown down here into Calvary Chapel Surprise today. And what our Lord Jesus says is receive the gift. Surrender to me. Allow me to come into your life and do what you cannot do as I put my seed in you. But the way that avenue through which I travel into your heart is through this way called repentance and faith in me. Lord, I repent of my sin, but I believe in you, the Savior of my soul. And I want that gift. And if that's you, I'm going to tell you this because I'll tell you what the enemy says. He says, that's pretty difficult. Don't do that. You've got a trip to take. You've got friends to be with. You're going back to school next year. You've got a job tomorrow. How are you going to meet that? You know what Jesus says? Take of the water of life freely. It's that simple. He'll take us the rest of the way. When the gift is received, Jesus carries the load. Jesus takes us one step at a time deeper and deeper, even to understand the passages that we have, we have looked at this morning and the entire word of God. May he receive the glory and praise from our life. But if that's you today, take a step today. There will be those that are prayer team leaders on various levels, take a step. Receive the gift of Jesus today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your amazing power, Lord. Just as your servant, as I've looked at this, it is so overwhelming. It, it, it comes to me in the night in such a way, oh God, that I say, how can feeble words even explain something so majestically divine as your love and your grace and your kindness like this? But oh, Father, you are the one that puts the, brought the seed into the world through your son, and you're the one to whom That seed moves and flows into our hearts. Have your way, Lord Jesus, in every life. And I pray, Lord, here today in some way, this Christmas, you will do a work in some person's heart right here in this sanctuary that they never even expected. But they meet you and say, Lord, I confess you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And I look to you completely to cleanse me from sin, to make me righteous through your son. I am a sinner apart from you, Lord Jesus. But your word teaches me that when I have you and that seed is in you, in me, I am a child of the king and I want that. In Christ's name we pray, amen.